record. Alicia Barnall is about to four-peat. The only man in history to do it. Kara Gotcher, she wanted to do this event. It was important to her. Here in Duluth, how sweet it is. Her arm raised in triumph. Welcome, everybody, to the Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast, brought to you with the support of Essentia Health. Hello again, everybody. I'm your host, Peter Graves, and thank you so very much for being with us. Our guest for this episode is Herb Dillon, a longtime volunteer and Hall of Famer with Grandma's Marathon. He's with the medical crew on race day and has been for a very long time. And Herb, welcome to the podcast. Glad to see you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So you must have some extraordinary uh, stories to tell. Um, You've been, uh, I believe, uh, part of the finish line medical crew for uh, some 43 years, which is is, uh, remarkable. How did you get started with all that, Herb? I came off active duty in 1977 when the first race started. And so I worked the emergency room at home here for the first two years. And uh, in 1979, uh, one of the nurses uh, came up to me and asked me if I wanted to work triage for grandma's marathon. And I thought, sure, why not? So I came down and worked it. And there were some things that I thought ought to be done differently. And so after the race, I uh, spoke to Scott and said, uh, give it to me next year. And here we are 43 years later. Uh, Both of us at that point in time were learning what marathons were about. I certainly had no experience with medical uh, as far as marathons. I did have uh, experience with triage in the service um, and at home here. So I I did have some uh, experience from that point, but it was a learning experience and it always is it changes year to year with expectations goals number of runners number of stations number of things we innovatively put in to uh, make this I I personally think probably the best run medical team in the country for a marathon did your military experience Herb uh, prepare you I suppose it may be obvious but I differences between sort of triage and what you saw, um, you know, professionally to uh, different things with a a marathon running race? Uh, Yes. Um, Our triage uh, at the medical tent is basically when the runner comes in, uh, we ask them, how can we help you? And their response is what gears, what we're going to do as to where we're going to send them. If they're having chest pain or they're vomiting, we're going to send them to a specific part of the tent. If they're having uh, cramps or they just want some aspirin or they need an ice bag, uh, we'll send them to a different part of the tent just to uh, keep the flow going. So our critical care nurses are in one section. Our, uh, our majority of our nurses are in the middle section of the tent. And then we have a physical therapy, I call it the walking wounded section, uh, where they just come in and those those uh, persons are usually very quick in there, in and out of the tent. And uh, over the years, we've refined that. 
Um, we now have, over the last several years, we've had a blister tent that uh, is uh, away from the medical tent. And they had, uh, in the last race we ran two years ago, uh, they saw 200 plus runners that we would have normally seen in the med tent had they not been open. Uh, the same with the massage tent, which has been with us for many years before. Um, they saw near 700 massages they gave in 2020. Um, and those were all uh, runners that we would have seen in the medical tent. So uh, that frees us up to actually give us a, a very workable uh, amount of, of uh, runners. But um, triage professionally, um, means you need to take vital signs unless you're in a uh, in the military, you're in a field experience where um, you just need to make a quick, are we going to save your life or are we not type decision. Um, but uh, in the medical tent, uh, it's basically just asking them what we can do for them and getting them to the right place. Uh, what would you say, Herb, is the uh, most sort of common ailment or or ailments that you see is it dehydration are they are there cardiac things what what say you about that there are but those aren't the normal that our major uh class of patients are uh are injury related knees ankles they've fallen down and they've got road rash um they're they're sore um, of the medical patients that are semi-serious cardiacs, of course, um, we've, uh, we've been very lucky with grandmas that we've only had, um, I think, uh, two people die in all the races we've had. And the normal, uh, the normal uh, figure for runners dying is one in every 50,000 runners uh, die. So we are way ahead of the curve in that. Um, and some of those things are we've instituted. We now have uh, AEDs, defibrillators, uh, at every mile mark along the race. Um, we have medical people, uh, aid station uh, at every odd mile from mile three um, up to uh, um, 19 and then from 19 which is Lester River coming into town then we have an aid station every mile after that and um, they all have AEDs and we have of course AEDs in-house in, in the tent and we have communications with every station along the way uh, we have communications with the race so if there's something going on in the race we can track a runner if we need to station by station. So, um, and uh, dehydration, runners are taking better care of themselves nowadays. And, you know, when grandma's first started out, it was a novel thing to do. And so in the early eighties, you had people that should never be in a race, mm -hmm. racing. And those were the people that were in trouble. Now we still get some people like that, but um, they're much more aware of, of training before the race. They're much more aware of, of, 
hydrating themselves with not only water, but electrolytes along the way. Um, and they take better care of themselves. And so we see much less uh, traffic than we used to. You know, it's interesting to me. Um, uh, quite often you see a lot of runners going uh, right uh, off to the lake to put their uh, legs in the uh, cool water, shall we say. And uh, uh, that is uh, something that uh, has just evolved over time. And it seems like it's a big help for a lot of people. It is, especially on a, on a hot day. And, and grandma's uh, marathon is known to have a hot and a cold race on the same day. It depends on where you are on the course. There's winds blowing off the course. Uh, sometimes it's hot down in the medical tent area in the finish area. And so if they come in and they're hot, they, the water is, is, uh, is good for them. Um, so yes, you're right. It's, uh, a lot of runners have seeked the, the bay. And, and this seems like a, an enormous undertaking and safety of course, uh, is so I- important, but you're also involved in, in medical recruitment uh, for uh, people working there. So the first question is, sounds like a pretty big team. How many people, Herb, would you say in all are involved in the medical safety area? We have about 400. We have uh, doctors, uh, nurses. Uh, we have uh, EMT crews, paramedics, um, uh, Gold Cross or mail transport now um, usually has about 13 ambulances in the area, a couple covering town and the rest of them on the course. Uh, Lake County uh, has their ambulance and their EMS service available. Um, we have um, four drop-off points on the race starting at the 13-mile mark and uh that is, they are manned by a physical therapist, uh, a doctor, an RN, and um, and then the buses will pick them up there if they if someone just gets too tired. And in the tent, uh, we've got uh, radio people that are in contact with, uh, and there's a radio person with every aid station along the way, uh, and there's 22 aid stations. Um, we have a bike patrol that, uh, patrols about the last mile of the race and they're kind of expanding that there's something that's always evolving. Um, we have the finish line area, uh, ski patrols from the range from Duluth. Um, and, uh, they, uh, they patrol the finish line area, um, so that if a runner comes in and, and uh, goes down or they encourage them to keep walking and not just sit down be, and uh, um, they're there to bring them to us. So the, um, and then uh, with the blister tent and then the massage people. Um, and then there's our computer people. Our tent is computerized. Um, so we can keep track of any runner coming in and any runner going out, and we have an inf- uh, information tent right outside our tent, where if somebody's looking for somebody who's in the in the tent or they think might be in the tent, then they can uh, come in 
to that part, uh, the information tent, and they can look up and tell them whether that runner is in the tent, has been in the tent, or has not been in the tent. Um, and so that helps to keep track. And that also keeps track of our runners for statistics part. So. And Herb, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I, mean, I, I think I ran the race the second year and I wasn't in particularly good shape, but I probably walked the last three or four miles of it. But I, but I did it like a lot of people and 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 had the joy and, and you know, it felt really good. So I'm curious. I mean, I, I would understand that the people like me might need more attention at the finish line. But what about the elites? Uh, the, the people that come in, do, do you, are they so good and so learned about the sport that they, they know what to do? Or do you ever see any of the elite people? All the time. Interesting. Not as many as the, as the regular, but the elite runners are also putting in um, a lot more effort, especially if there's somebody they're trying to beat and they're neck and neck you know, they put that extra oomph, which kind of drains them. You know, they don't stop for the water because, hey, I can get maybe 50 feet ahead of this guy, you know. So, yes, we do see the elite. Um, and uh, and um, they usually recover quicker, depending on what actually is wrong. Um, and uh, I, I was sort of curious if you uh, had um, ever visited any other medical operations at, at races or did all of you kind of learn, I mean, you were experts in your field, but did you learn by doing uh, for grandmas? Yes, I did. I, I did help um, with two marathons, one in Wisconsin and and then uh, most late, lastly, the Shields Marathon in Fargo, when they first started up, I did help them set up their medical, gave them suggestions. I attended a couple of their meetings to say, you know, this is kind of what you need to plan for, but um, it's all learning by what do I do or where have I gone or what do I need to look for now? And, and you know, and with grandmas, um, one of the early issues with grandmas, and you were in that group probably, is that, you know, the original grandmas started at 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Bad time to start a race that's a marathon. Um, the reason it started at 11 o'clock in the morning is because the sponsor was grandma's restaurant and they wanted the restaurant to be open for spectators until the runners got um, so that was one of the first things that I advocated that we needed to do is move the time down. And when we finally got the time moved down to um, down to eight o'clock in the morning for a start time, our patient capacity in the medical tent uh, uh, dropped from 10% of the finishers to 5%. So we had decreased our work workload tremendously. And so then that helps us. And uh, the other things that, that you need to do in planning for a marathon is you need to think about the weather. You know, I, we had to have heat there. And so I had to argue a couple of times that we need heat there uh, before race day, because on race day, you can't get 
heat to the tent. So, um, and then fans at the same time in case it's a hot day and sometimes it's both. So um, just those little things that you learn along the way. And um, I'd like to think that a lot of the nurses that uh, came or the doctors or whoever that came to work with us um, also went on to maybe volunteer at other marathons in their local hometowns or wherever. I mean, over the years, I've had uh, nurses come from uh, New York. I've had nurses come from Alaska several times, Texas, Missouri, Kansas, South Carolina, Florida, California, Arizona. Those are the ones, and I'm probably many others, well, obviously, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota. But um, so a lot of nurses and um, a lot of them come to work with us because they have family members running in the race and they want something to do. And we're more than happy. Mm, that's really nice. I, I had no idea about that. And uh, it does show what a magnet grandma's marathon has become as a, a really elite and extremely well-run friendly marathon for people to do. Has your experience, Herb, told you, uh, uh, been able to uh, have you tender advice to uh, runners, maybe not to the elites, but but uh, do you have a bit of advice you might as far as, uh, of course, you have to do the preparation, but I'm thinking about either eating or hydration or blisters or, uh, you know, what, what does your experience tell you would be a good uh, nugget of wisdom for uh, maybe a beginner or, you know, a marathon runner? Well, if you're, especially if you're a beginner, my first advice would be, have fun. And if you have fun, you're going to take care of yourself. You're going to stop at the water stations. You're going to job with the people along the way. You're going to run with a friend. Um, you're going to have a good time and you'll take care of yourself and you'll, and you'll finish healthy. Um, for the elite, um, they probably know more about it than I do as far as taking care of it. Because the elite runners know their own bodies. And I can't tell them what to do uh, for the people that have special circumstances. And we've had runners that, that have run that are eight months pregnant. We've had uh, persons with uh, diabetes that have run that uh, are controlling themselves um, along the race and, and watching what's going on. And, and, you know, again, they take care of themselves, but um, my advice would be to, um, be to hydrate, to eat up, and to have fun. That's what this race, I think that's what this race uh, does, is it's a fun race for everybody who's in it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know one thing from just personal experience was, I, I think the first three or four miles uh, that I did uh, leaving Two Harbors was uh, uh, too fast for me. Too fast for my, you know, I, I went out, I think I did the first three miles in around seven minutes uh, or so. And a very wise friend of mine said, Pete, I think you're starting too fast, you know, and, um, you know, th that was a good lesson learned that, uh, but uh, I, I suppose you would echo that advice too. You, you need to yes. uh, do what you've been training with and for. You're so right. I'm not, a runner. In fact, I don't even like running, <laughs> but I'm a race walker. Yeah. And oh. in my youth, I was fast or faster. 
but um, I experienced that myself. Sometimes I would start out too fast, and uh, and uh, if and most runners, when you're running in training, you're running at a at a reasonable pace and a good pace, and uh, and that unless you're out there to win the race, that's the pace you ought to keep because that's what you're used to and you know what you do and how you're going. And, and you're right at the start line, everybody gets caught up in a fast start. Yeah. And the, the atmosphere is so heady, you know, I mean, it's fun. I was around uh, a lot of good friends that uh, were, gave me good advice. And uh, it, 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 so, but now as I'm older, I can understand the, the concept more of having a, a, a more mature approach to, uh, to how you, you do the marathon. So uh, for your uh, longtime service, uh, you were inducted into the Grandma's Marathon Hall of Fame, and, and congratulations uh, to that as a fellow Hall of Famer. I know what it means, and it's really powerful. Um, how did that feel, uh, Herb, to get that designation? Um, that was, um, a surprise. I'm not one for attending meetings or ceremonies. And they actually had to pull me out of the medical tent, um, for both when I got volunteer of the year and, uh, and hall of fame. Um, but yes, it's, I, it's something that I certainly didn't work towards, but, um, was thrilled to get it to see that that maybe uh, people understood what goes into doing this marathon and the um, and the volunteers that went in with me um, were awesome group of people too and then uh, now um, uh, my youngest uh, was the uh, was the medical volunteer of the year a couple of years ago. So, and I dragged him in when he was eight and now he's 40. So, he's <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it is clear from talking to you that um, this is more than a race. Um, you know, you're an area resident and uh, it means a great deal to you. It's, it's easy to get caught up in the, in the real beauty of this race and, and, and at every level, I mean, of course, there's the runners, and, and it's really been a race about runners. That The needs are well taken care of. But there's tremendous camaraderie with the officials, the volunteers. It's really very affecting to me to, to see how much, how dare I say, love uh, that goes into this. You're right. I, this is another family for me. Um, the medical staff and you know, at the end of the race and the medical tent is usually the last thing to close down on race day, as far as, um, running activities. And, and we will close down at depending on when at three or four or five. Um, and then, uh, we sit in a couple chairs there in the activities area, exhausted and thrilled. Yeah. You know, this was another good year. We had a great time. Uh, I've already told you, you're going to be here next year. And they look at me and groan every once in a while, but um, it is, it's a great, uh, and I, part of my doing it is 
is my payback because as a race walker, I do a lot of races. Um, and this is my way of giving back to them. Um, and as a reservist, uh, I belong to a medical unit in the cities, but I was up here in Duluth and Park Point, And we were medical for a lot of local races. Um, the Edmund Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. um, the Park Point Five Miler, uh, we used to, I used to do that all the time also. Um, and so this is just my way of giving back to everything that everybody does for me and all these other races that I'm a participant. Well, Herb, I can't uh, imagine ending it in a better way. I'll look forward to seeing you uh, in just a few weeks. All great news about the marathon, isn't it? Yes, it is. It, it's uh, nice. And Grandma's um, has done a good job of, uh, of putting on races prior to Grandma's and um, finding that that uh, what they do uh, works in this environment, but it's there, it's, it's gonna be run. Uh, and I think it will be delightful for those people that actually get to participate. Certainly. Well, that's it for this week. The Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast is brought to you with the support of Essentia Health. New episodes will come out the second Wednesday of each month. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends. Thanks again uh, for this week's guest, Herb Dillon. Very interesting interview. Grandma's Marathon is proudly presented by Toyota, Members Cooperative Credit Union, and ASICS. Run fast, run far, and have fun, everybody. I'm Peter Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next month. So long.